0: Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vierman. I'm here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Hi. Also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And today on the show, we have singer, songwriter, Grammy winner. Jason Mraz uh, the truth is we did this conversation quite a bit ago we'll get into why we did it and how we're excited to uh, present it for this episode but before we get to Jason Mraz guys there's lots going on Max is about to go on the road I guess we should promo the Crave show go go on Crave You get the first month free I think if you sign up
1: yeah if you uh, it takes no time at all to sign up for Crave and also uh, you get a bunch of other great programs it's not just the Michael Munch show Game you, of Thrones
0: yeah. all the Oscar nominees from last year and uh, just
1: cancel it after a month Yeah, just, yeah if you remember that.
0: It's free, and it's a lot of really good stuff. Watch our episodes. Binge some Sex in the City, some Sopranos. Exactly. Some Letter Kenny.
1: Yeah, also um, one other request is in iTunes, leave a comment. Uh That's your New Year's resolution, is to participate more on social media for the sake of our podcast.
0: Yeah, so like I said, Max, you're about to go on the road for hey. like,
1: you're, you're doing arenas. This is like your biggest tour ever? Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, Uh before we get to the other business, it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded a pod. Yeah, everyone's busy. Busy it's boys. so fucking busy right now. Uh, I did want to bring up something that happened while we have sort of been in this little recording hiatus Mm -hmm. uh, over the holidays. Fiji Girl. Oh, yeah. So, what what, what was it? The Golden Globes? Yeah. Uh, During the Golden Globes, I'm sure you've all heard of it if you're listening to this podcast, but if you haven't, during the Golden Globes on the red carpet shows, there was a girl standing in the background holding a bunch of Fiji water that was there for the artists, actors, actresses, whatever, to uh, take a sip if they got too hot in that California sun. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I did not watch the Golden Globes because there was a Raptors game on that night, and we all know where my (laughs) allegiance lies. Uh, And... The next day I came into work, Dan Crothers, Webby D, had sent me an email being, asking about a former a commercial I did. I didn't quite know why. I explained the story. He was like, don't you know that's Fiji Girl? I'm like, I don't know what Fiji Girl is. Look it up. I'm like, oh my God, that's Kelleth Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. Everybody at this table has, like, a history with Kellith Cuthbert in a professional sense. Yes. Or maybe otherwise. <laughs> Not <laughs> me, but... She, she's well. like, well, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I'll start with mine, because I, uh, one of our bosses uh, cc Well, e- emailed Mike and I about... He did. ...Fiji Girl. And I think you're confusing, because I made a joke about how I mashed with her on Tinder. Or <laughs> I, I swiped right, and she didn't uh, reciprocate. <laughs> But <laughs> that's not true.
0: It's not yeah. true. Uh, which I think I asked you. I go, did you actually match with her on Tinder? So basically, our boss's boss sent an email with a link to the CBC story about how Fiji girl, Kelleth, is yeah. in the Arkells video for...
1: Uh, 11-11. 11-11. And pulling punches, but Eleven Eleven 11 is the, the main one. So before any of that stuff,
0: mm-hmm. uh, we had this big concert here at Much Music called the big jingle and i wrote and directed the commercials the campaign for the two years and so the the concept of commercial is basically you have this like santa claus who's kind of like a rock star elvis he's got like a jack daniels bottle full of milk and he's like walking backstage to like a a huge arena concert so you have like photographers you have like these models and we had like a reindeer and so this is my kelly cuthbert story long before she was fiji girl from like what six years ago or something like yeah. that this campaign so we have the models cast and we have this reindeer that i get and we have this fucking reindeer wrangler and he's there on set we're about to shoot, but the reindeer is going insane. It's jumping up and down. It's and like the wrangler's holding it like by its like leash. Oh, the
1: actual reindeer! It's a real
0: reindeer. Oh wow! We got like a real reindeer for this commercial. Oh, Again, this was many years ago. Before I know
1: PETA got involved, <laughs> but yeah. it, there there
0: was a professional handling the reindeer. It wasn't like you know. Uh, but this reindeer is shitting all over the set. It is going crazy, and it's got massive um, antlers. So it's like, it's a dangerous wild animal. You know, it's legitimately a big, a big animal. And there was this um, actress named Sherry Rains, who we who, also. Who also
1: was in an Arkells video. There yeah. you
0: go. Yeah. It's like we're all casting from the same pool. Yeah. But. Independently so Sherry rains uh, was gonna be the model slash actress walking with the reindeer because one of them had to walk with the reindeer uh, This animal is going insane. I can tell that Sherry is looking very nervous and she doesn't she's not gonna feel comfortable walking with it uh, So I'm like, oh, what are we gonna do? Like maybe the, the the reindeer will calm down and Kelleth who hadn't really spoken much to that point says Uh, I've spent time on farms growing up. I'll walk with the reindeer. She's like, I'm not worried about it. Like, I don't know if she spent one minute on a farm.
2: (laughs) She's all over animals, though, on her Instagram. Is she?
0: Yeah. Because in that moment, I was like, either this woman has spent time on a farm and will feel comfortable with this, like, sort of uh, crazy, rabid reindeer, or she's done the quick math in her head, and she is like, I will be on camera if I'm holding the reindeer more. (laughs) The whole time she's walking with this live animal, like, if it just jumps and moves to the left, one of those antlers could take out her eye. And she walked so confidently with this reindeer.
1: That is so funny. Well, it shows how fearless she is. Because Big time. to pull off the Fiji stunt, Like you have to really commit to mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's like you're going to go, I'm going to intentionally get into the shot and stare right at the camera. Yeah. A lot of
2: people wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Because you could get in trouble for doing that if Fiji hired you to do something like that. Oh,
0: you like mean that, her staring at the camera? Her staring
2: at right? the camera. So you really have to be fearless to do something like
0: that. Would you do something like that? Because it's if, like she really took the moment.
2: Well, I remember one year at the MMVAs, I was kind of the Fiji girl, because when you work the MMVAs, you're supposed to dress nice. Mm. But I wore this really dirty, like, short (laughs) sleeve shirt that was
0: like... You were shooting stuff on the red carpet, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I didn't know I should have dressed up, but I was in the background of every shot, (laughs) and then... (laughs) Snapchat was really popular at the time, and Taylor Swift walked by. So mid mid-directing, I just stopped what I was doing and started filming her in Snapchat, and everyone saw it. And then I was like banned from the red carpet. Uh, what were you wearing? I was wearing like this really dirty, super short-sleeve t-shirt that was like rolled up, and I was like, I just had a lot of tattoos and skinny jeans and like these funny boots. Like I looked like I was just in a shitty band or grunge band or something. But everyone spotted me and was sending me pictures, and especially the thing of me filming uh, Taylor Swift. I remember all you guys were laughing at me. <laughs>
1: That's like hilarious. Randall saw it. Well, you know, it kind of makes me think about what it what it takes to, to become uh, famous, or uh, not famous, but noticed, and the drastic things... People often do that actually end up working out like our friend Tim McAuliffe who's a very successful comedy writer in LA He's written for the office in the late in the late show and he has his own show last man on earth uh, Happy together he uh, the way he got his gig with Fallon was it wasn't he like delivering pizzas? or something? There's some dramatic story where he basically like forced his way into the office Like you have to and then I was uh, listening to Rami Malek on Uh, fresh air Bohemian Rhapsody yeah and And, Mr. Robot uh, yeah Mr. Robot and he talked about how when he was a pizza delivery guy he'd include his headshot with all the (laughs) deliveries because he wanted it that badly wow and so I I know it's weird because there's sometimes it's an obvious line that someone will cross that is just utterly shameless I once gave Pete Wentz a CD right no but the thing is that you kind of have to do that because if you you don't somebody else who's equally as talented is going to go a little bit harder and maybe yeah maybe get the call Great risk, great reward. Yeah. But it's weird, though, to to have to do that. But you kind of have to sometimes. Well, when
0: they're like, fortune favors the bold and all that stuff. And here's the thing. Here's where it gets tricky. Because it's like, we encourage people to take chances. But what we really mean is we want the right people to take chances. Like, are you talented? Like, yeah, give us a headshot. But are you a good actor? It's like, the problem is there's 50 other people that also stuck their headshots in a pizza. They're just
1: simply annoying.
0: Right? And (laughs) so where's the line? It takes self-awareness. Well, it has to work. Yeah. if it doesn't work and you
2: only know if it works uh, like Fiji might have been like what are you d- doing this is amazing <laughs> exactly
0: like, it's like wow we're everywhere we went viral now because of her mm-hmm. but really it is kind of low risk I mean I also don't know how she got the gig she's a Canadian she's been in all of our productions but, but she's, d-
1: she's been living in la for a number of years now I think I it I think it was high risk for a while.
0: While. well speaking of Instagram uh, after she became like you know basically went viral Shane turned to me I'd just come out of a meeting and he goes yo I'm like what? He's like, Fiji Girl just followed you on Instagram. And I was uh-huh. like, I saw that just before I walked M- into you a meeting. Michael Much. Me. Oh, crazy. Yeah, because I directed Are her you in jealous that spot. Shane? Uh yes. (laughs) (laughs) So 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 she followed me and then added me in a clip of this commercial I directed from like four years ago. Oh crazy! So I was like, oh man, what up? And then uh, Shaney's like, we got to get her on the show. So I'll I'll DM her at some point.
1: We'll get this. So Joe D, who uh, directed the 1111 video, texted me that morning after the Golden Globes and was like, hey, do you see this thing with Kellith and Fiji water? And at that point, I hadn't heard about it. Uh, So and then I Google it, and of course, there's a bunch of news articles. And uh, and then throughout the course of the day, more and more people are asking me about it. CBC Hamilton does the local news thing where it has to have the slant about like the local angle for this international of course. story. I, so I DM'd her, and I was like, your life must be hilarious. Congratulations. This is awesome. And she got right back. And I wanted to – I was doing press for the launch the next day, in, uh, and I was going to be on the <laughs> social. So I thought this might be a funny thing to talk about. So I DM'd her and I said, would you want to do... Like, could we do an interview with you? Like, we could Skype in or something. And she literally was booked... Wall to wall, the whole following day, she had interviews. Like she said, like the Fiji water people sure. are taking care Like there's a public good morning, Dave Mary. Meierd, everything, yeah. And she's doing, and I think the previous night she had already done James Corden. Turns out the social had already talked about the Golden Globes and that we were kind of done with that. But, uh, but she was like down to try to like squeeze in the schedule. And, and we told you her, you
2: messaged her from Arkells or your own, Arkells, person? yeah. Nice.
1: And uh, I told Smart. her we're playing in LA in, in March. And so she's like, oh, I'll try to come to the show. Also, unique name Kelleth, Kelleth, Kelleth Cuthbert. I've like, never met another Kelleth. It sounds like very like, uh, maritime kind of name. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Fiji girl, Fiji we all girl. Have, there's our six degrees of separation yeah. with uh, Kelleth Cuthbert.
1: Yeah, and I just like the idea that, like, you know, a Canadian going down to LA to, like, try to make it work and then getting this big break where automatically it's like you. Have so many more opportunities. Oh. Just, people are knocking on your door. You go from, like, you know, trying to get gigs and just sort of being a working person to people knocking on your door.
0: Well, it's like it's the great. She jumped the line. How do you yeah. skip the line? You know what I mean? Or how do you get noticed? And, yeah. and you know, she turned that gig into something. Do you think that was planned out by Fiji? Like meaning, know. like stare at the cameras? Or do you think she grabbed?
2: It's a crazy it? move because it did have some blowback. Um, What's Jamie Lee Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis was not happy with Fiji Girl. In Why? fact, she tried because she doesn't want to be part of the
0: uh, commercial. An film. advertisement. So yeah. She's like, don't yeah. shoot me. Any-. It's like, yeah, chill out, Jamie Lee. Have a yogurt. Well, Calm she, down. she wants <laughs> to choose the advertisement she's a part of. Fair enough. Yeah. But she's also at the Golden Globes, you know, so there's going to be advertising involved in the Golden Globes that has nothing to do with Jamie Lee Curtis. But when
2: you're walking the red carpet, she tried to like uh, skirt away from it. Yeah. And then they got the side angle and that was the angle they published. But let's say that
0: the Golden Globes, as we work in advertising, had sold like the backdrops so, like, you know how they're always standing on it? Th- like, beh- like there's a mm-hmm. backdrop. It's the red carpet, and then there's something that they do the interview on, and the backdrop yep. will say, yeah. it'll be the Golden Globes logo. Let's say they sold it to Samsung one year, so it's like, right. so what? Jamie Lee Curtis then would be like... Well, she has
2: a choice to make. Do I want... To, I, I have eyes. I can see this red carpet is littered with maybe something I do or do not like, but Fiji Girl's a mobile thing who's Following <laughs> her around. She's
0: hopping in the back. <laughs> I can't shake
2: Fiji Girl. Do people know
1: on the red carpet that they were being sort of punked in this way? Or they they were part of a a larger I think they
0: probably started to realize in real time, maybe. Yeah, Jamie Lee certainly
2: started to realize it. Because she released a statement that she was none too happy. (laughs) But I wonder if, uh, great question, which I would love to have answered, did Fiji uh,
1: make her do this? It seemed like the following day, Fiji was involved in her press. So I don't know if, like, you know. Oh, Fiji definitely liked the result. Mm -hmm. It's just
2: were they, like, hey, photo bomb every celebrity. Well, speaking of uh, branding exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you something. Where I'm not sure if you're about to go into it. I but might. Go ahead. Very curious about your one Instagram post you did to Trump.
0: Oh, you, you posted a photo of you wall. with the wall you're oh, taking sure. on. Um, what about it?
1: I was just wondering whose idea was that? Tony t- Tony actually uh, wrote the that. copy. Okay. Yeah, Tony was like, the, the caption would be that here's your fucking wall Trump. <laughs> and you added Donald Trump. Yeah, I thought that'd be kind of funny. but did you get did you get any negative? Uh, feedback? I feel again? like so many like liberally people like just at Donald mm-hmm. Trump that even the Trump trolls are just like, I can't keep track of all this <laughs> stuff, you know, because unless I misinterpret it, you're helping Trump with the wall. That was, it was a joke. Oh.
2: No,
0: but that's not. The, I'm joking. Oh, okay. You clearly
2: aren't helping him with the wall.
0: <laughs> Your post was very pro-Trump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're getting at. Uh, fascinating. But there was no negative
1: comments. I didn't see any. Mm-hmm. Man, because uh, Mike
2: and I were like, "Oh, this is good." Like we were like, "This is the new
1: Gillette ad." Like I, this
2: is either <laughs> this could get some blowback. <laughs> I would have
1: enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, on a slightly uh, less controversial subject. I I got home the other night, and as I was coming into our apartment, uh, it's like a house, and we're on the second floor. I could smell something on the first floor that smelled really good. Like it was, it smelled like it was like something uh, someone was baking something. Mm. So I don't know our downstairs neighbor other than like meeting them a couple times, I exchange phone numbers. He's saved in my phone as down, Reggie downstairs. That's all I know. It's about It's like him. girls with uh, Laird. Yeah, Does yeah. Anyone, anyone get that oh, reference? Yes, right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And. Um, So I was kind of like just in a goofy mood. Like I wasn't like drunk or anything. I I was just kind of in a silly mood. And so I just texted Reggie. I was like, hey, Reg, what's your bacon down there? (laughs) So Yeah. And then Lauren's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you stop? Like, why would you do that? And then I realized that the only other thing I've texted him was like, hey, Reg, do you have a bottle opener? (laughs) Wait, wait, sorry. I'm lost a little bit. This is a guy you live with? A guy who lives downstairs.
0: In In the unit downstairs completely separate
1: in
2: Toronto okay so you live in Toronto right now yeah yeah okay yeah cool. so up at Lauren and I's place okay cool so
1: it's it's, it's a house and I we live on the second floor ah, I see Reg is on the first floor does he know who you are this is the thing I don't think he does um, <laughs> was he like I'll come knocking at your door Wiki face he goes <laughs> I'm like hey Reg what's your bacon and then he re- takes about ten minutes. He's like, "Hey, just made some pizza." <laughs> and then I'm go. And then I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, if he if he had made some like cupcakes or something, or like muffins, or he might be like, "Mal bring up some muffins or something." You wanted some snacks. Yeah, I wanted a snack. And then so I just go, "Smells good!" Like with the Uh-oh. oh, the AOK, the AOK. I, I, He's like, coming up with some pizza. And then he goes, "Ha ha! Thanks, dude. Delicio." I, I knew it was Delicio. <laughs>
2: That's so funny. We I was like just it could be a Delicio. This.
0: We are recording this podcast in a boardroom that Shane and I literally as part of our day jobs were just brainstorming uh, another product which was not a uh, Delicio. We were brainstorming a campaign and somebody brought up uh, like that the the commercial where it's like uh, it's not delivery, it's Delicio. Yeah. And I said has anyone once in their entire fucking lives ever had a Delicio and been like, that tastes like deliverable ever. pizza? No! Yeah. They can't get it that close. But the whole campaign is based around that false that, that, premise. That lie. That lie.
1: Yeah.
2: And Not that that's why, why I was going to joke to you that it was DiGiorno. is the American <laughs> version of Delicio.
1: Anyway. So... And then, and by the way, like, even if we wanted a slice of Delicio pizza, which is like a $5 thing you get at the grocery mm-hmm. store, we couldn't even do it because Lauren's on this restrictive diet in, in solidarity, um, eating whatever she's eating. And then I'm like, haha, knew it. Enjoy. And then he goes, thanks. I would have offered you some, but we unfortunately finished it already. <laughs> we just, I'm, like, and I'm like, no, no, that's not what I was getting at. It just smelled nice. Hope your day was good. Oh, oh my the, God. There's Max. no worries. Always oh, happy to share when I can. Hope yours was too. <laughs> so, anyway. Please tell me to end it. Ended there. You're crossing <laughs> boundaries. And when you say we, who do you happen to be eating the pizza with? Is there a new person in your life? <laughs> well, he has a girlfriend uh, that lives with him. So then, so I thought this was kind of silly. So I took a screen cap of like the first part of the, the text message and just like. Threw it on our Twitter Just being like Just making conversations With the dancer's neighbor Oh jeez So then of course Somebody from D'Alessio Sees that we We're talking about The Arkells are talking About Delicio mm-hmm. And goes Hey how can we Hook up Reggie And then I'm like well, Here's his address And they're like Well what's his full name I'm like I just know him as Reggie downstairs. Now he's going to be Reggie D'Alessio, but go on. <laughs> so I think tomorrow they're, they're uh, going to be delivering some pizza. What? To, to Reggie. But I, here's the thing Reggie might know the Arkells connection, but he also might be like, why is our fucking weird ass yeah. upstair neighbor just dropping totally. off like six. Yeah, like
2: we like it when we're starving, not all the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was kind of funny. That's hilarious. Well, uh,
0: Man, it's like you don't want to waste those on something like the Lesio's nice. It's not a bad product, but it's like almost like you want to be like don't you wish you'd rather like wouldn't you rather be talking about like Nike running shoes mm-hmm. or something?
1: We'll get this because the other day on our Arkel's Instagram, I played like a little snippet of a Joel Plaskett song just for fun. I happen to have a bottle of Perrier in the on Ashley's desk, like I was in Manager Ash's office. And then Perrier saw and they sent like literally like like tray like What are those things? A skid. Mm A skid full of Perriers for the office. What? Yeah. Dang. Oh, you should be like, hey, Reg, love that Rolex. Sorry?
2: so this guy's ruined my
0: punchline <laughs> there's construction going on outside of this board room. This gets all my right I'll, I'll try it again <laughs> say it. hey
2: max you should say uh hey reg love that rolex you were wearing Let's
0: see what happens and then you yeah. get a cease and desist from rolex please yeah. stop talking about us yeah. we're a premium brand <laughs>
1: yeah we're a premium man you brand you guys are not
2: um but are so you going to start taking advantage of that and like strategically placing products behind you? He's literally, yeah. it's like he's wearing a fucking, <laughs> continue, are you yeah. going to continue to <laughs> take advantage of that? He's wearing like a full Reebok
0: jumpsuit,
1: yeah. it's like the holding Apple is, products, obviously. So. Um,
0: but yo, you're leaving. How long are you gone for? Um, are we going to record from the road?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm gone for a couple weeks. Not too long. There's a couple windows for us to do stuff before, like we're back February 11th. We'll figure it out. Right before Valentine's right Day. Right before Valentine's Day. But speaking of the tour, so this other thing came up I wanted to talk to you guys about, which, which I thought was kind of interesting, was about a week ago, I want to say. Jesus Christ. Is, this, is it picking It's fine up? in the headphones. I mean, they'll hear it, but it's not as intrusive as it is Okay, us. cool. So just power through, guys. Um, so about a week ago... Uh, a friend uh, from Pete from July Talk reached out and um, sent along this literature about this uh, pipeline blockade in Alberta. That they're forcing through. Basically. That they're forcing through. Yeah. And basically, the indigenous community, members of the indigenous community of that area, have set up a blockade. And the RCMP officers have sort of forcefully, like at gunpoint, from what I understand, removed them. And so... There, and so Pete asked if I'd sign a, a letter of solidarity for the indigenous group. And they have a long name that I don't want to butcher. So yeah. I'm just going to say the indigenous group. And I said, of course. And this, you Is know? your
2: signature worth more than regular people's signatures? <laughs>
1: No, it was, it was a lot of musicians. So they had about 200 okay. musicians. Ah. Members of Arcade Fire, stars, like name a band. So, a But chance. a celebrity signature is worth more. Yeah, but it was yeah. supposed to be more of like a public statement and from the music community mm-hmm. saying like, we as musicians... You also bring attention to this
0: cause that otherwise people are kind mm-hmm. of ignoring. But it obviously is is a very serious issue and it matters so much to those indigenous people who are being sort of pushed aside mm-hmm. and they're forcing themselves onto the land. You know, which is something that we've said as a country and a people we don't do anymore. It's like... We don't have a right to land, but because this
1: pipeline has to go through, we're like, well, I know what we said, but we're just going to take it. Well, then that, that was a big part of the statement was that they're disappointed in Pierre. Oh, sorry, Justin Trudeau's sort of uh, his 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 actions don't match his words. You know, he he has talked about reconciliation, but these kinds of moves from the RCMP off, uh, officer is sort of directly oppose what he what he's been saying this whole time. So the news comes out that the musicians are standing with this indigenous group, and we immediately get uh, a lot of I'd say like about half a dozen to ten emails from people in Alberta who work in the oil industry Who are really disappointed that ourkel's name is on this thing because people a lot of people in Alberta as we all know Are employed by the oil industry
0: sure so so this is imperative to their livelihood even though it does encroach on Indigenous land.
1: Yeah, it's it's a complicated. Issue. It, it, it's a very complicated issue everything about oil and indigenous groups are, is complicated mm-hmm. and the environment like It is, you know, too long to be kind of sussed out through an email. But this thing kind of happened, which which I always sort of think about, which is what would happen if I got to have a conversation with somebody who is in sort of direct opposition of my political beliefs and and how would I handle it? And so I thought we could just ignore it. But I was like, you know what, I kind of want to email this person back to let them know because... They, you know, one one gentleman wrote and said, here are the facts about the gas line. Mm-hmm. And wrote, you know, 10 facts about the employment benefits and how it's better oil than Saudi and Iran and Venezuelan oil. And, uh, you know, he kind of goes through the issue. He gave
0: you his, his counterpoints. His counterpoints. So you go
1: through them. So I go through them. And I'm like, you know, what? I kind of want to respond to this guy. And so I, I wrote him back. I, I said to him, I was like, hey, I just wanted to, it's Max from Arkell. Oh, and by the way, he was coming to the mm-hmm. show. He said, I bought a suite for the show and I don't think I'm going to come anymore. Hmm. And I said, hey, um, hey, Paul, thanks for reaching out. You know, I appreciate you offering your side of the the, the situation. I take your words to heart. And just so you know, I met many good people who work in the oil industry and we played in towns where the oil business has kind of dried up and and it's been slow and people lose their jobs and I feel for those people and it breaks my heart when, you know, a family is immediately unemployed. And my signing of the letter had nothing to do with I don't know anything about that industry. Mm-hmm. It was simply about the RCMP officers and the way they were treating the indigenous community. It didn't have anything to do with the infrastructure issues that you're talking about. But anyway, I totally understand if you don't want to come to the show, but i would love to still have you, but thanks for reaching out. And then he got back. I did that to two people, and they both said, like, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your response. You know, I Thanks for taking the time to read my rant and, and, and respond in a thoughtful and honest way. I was a little worked up. I feel like uh, no one cares about Alberta these days and after a good sleep and your email, I feel a lot better. But it was, it was anyway, he, go, he goes on and he's going to come to the show. And it was it was just a good example. And it's something I kind of preach a lot, which is, it's like a lot of times when people are upset about something, um, it immediately turns into the zero-sum situation where it's like if something... Right and if, wrong. Yeah, right and wrong. But it's like every situation it has nuance. And a lot of times people aren't actually post to each other. They're just kind of talking about different factions of something they think is the, the same category. Anyway, I just I, I really liked it it gave me faith in humanity that like if you approach somebody with some civility, you can actually change their heart a little bit. I don't know. I just
2: confrontation could be a good form
1: of resolution. Yeah, well yeah. if you confront somebody in a in a thoughtful and honest way and mm-hmm. it's not just vitriolic and you're not just pointing the finger and yelling at each other because well, that's works, typically what happens on twitter
2: well yeah it works with uh internet trolls too if you actually like talk to them normally they they'll respond like human beings all of a sudden
1: yeah yeah exactly because if, if you think you're just talking to like a, a robot on the other side then people will say and do whatever they want mm-hmm. but uh anyway i just thought it was just a, like it was a reaffirming experience for me that's that's my story about reading fan mail so you think you'll be at the show i think
0: so i hope so uh, are you excited for this show? I mean, I know this is a little bit lighter than what we were just talking about, <clears> but uh, like you're doing arenas across the country. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. stuff. Yeah, I am. Yeah, we did a pre-production this week. When you do pre-production, it looked like you're in an actual arena doing it. Like yeah, in Brampton, some like
1: junior hockey arena. And
0: so you build the set that you're going to take across the country. Yeah, and like you sort of like try to block
1: out every part of the show. How long's the show? Two hours. Whoa. Any covers? Uh, yeah, we got one covered. Any comedy bits? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a couple ideas, and I, I want to work through some uh, banter. I've been meaning to do that with you, Mike. Yeah, sure, Mike's my uh, my banter coach. But uh, yeah, I have a couple ideas. I can't tell you on the mic, but uh, that you will be ruin that, that will world. be funny. I think.
2: Is the wall you Instagrammed? Is that going on tour with you? That's actually the the VIP wall. So oh, basically, for meet and yeah, for meet and
1: greets, yeah. Hmm. So people can show up early who bought a ticket for the VIP package.
2: When you do a meet and greet, how much uh, meeting and greeting do they get with you? <laughs> they get like three
1: or four acoustic Seconds. songs. What? Yeah, you we, play like private with them. Yeah, yeah, there's like you know anywhere between like thirty oh. and most
2: 100. of it. It's like sometimes you're not even like allowed to touch the person. You just yeah. get a photo.
1: Yeah, no, we're we're pretty friendly. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and then we can take a photo. They get access to merch and stuff. They but, get some laminates and things like that. Bus. Yeah, we're on a bus. Multiple buses? A couple, two, yeah. Are Whoa. you, you
0: going to split up the band into separate buses? Yeah. <laughs> are you on a singular bus yeah. and the rest
1: of the guys? Yeah, are? that's how it works. <laughs> uh, no, actually, you know what's funny? It's, it's him and Reggie with the Delicio <laughs> yeah. on the first bus. Is that our, our photographer friend who we know, Rob Loud? He's coming on the tour. Oh, Rob. Yeah, Rob's going to be with us. Co- he a killer photographer. Yeah. And... Uh, and so it, it makes sense that the band would all be together on a, on one of the buses. But Nick was like, I think I'd like to be on the crew bus. I love that. And he's it, such a man of the people. He's such a man of the people. And we're like, Nick, I get it. He's like, you know, there's probably been partying and stuff on the... On the band bus, and I, you know, I'd like to be with the crew. And then Dave, our tour manager, is like, honestly, the crew guys part- party way harder than you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I was exactly. gonna say. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Nick just didn't like the hierarchy of the situation, and so, and we're like, Nick, we have a photographer. <laughs> with us. He's trying
0: to abolish the class system yeah. of touring bands. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, is there plans for like Dan Hamilton to join the tour in like the Prairies and get on that
1: bus for like three dates? Uh, no, Manager Ash is gonna be with us the whole time. But yeah, I think Dan uh, has uh. Has a lot of work to do. Okay,
0: not, nobody's going to go fly. I, think, over I don't
1: think anybody's months. coming out. It's the middle of winter. If it was more exotic and the weather was good, I can imagine we'd have more takers. But Are no. the wives and girlfriends coming on tour? Nope. Is that a point of contention? Within no. This? No. People got stuff to do.
0: Yeah, Is there any like seminal dates in the tour? You're like, we can't wait to play that city.
1: Ooh. uh, I mean, the bigger markets I'm excited for. I mean, the small markets will be good too. But uh, yeah, like Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. We're playing Victoria on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, Uh, interesting. But the good thing is that because we're on the West Coast and Super Bowl's on the East Coast, the game will actually be in the afternoon when we're in Victoria. Yep. And so so the game will be over. You'll get the after Super Bowl crowd. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. That's good. Not everybody gets hammered for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like you don't
1: think they'll burn themselves out before they come to your show maybe maybe, maybe, the maybe, th- maybe it'll just be a great pre-drink for the Arkell show alright let's get to the thing let's get to the those thing those guys that have work to do out there
0: yeah I know so for our listeners there was guys doing construction outside this boardroom and Max which is classic Max without knowing anybody or whatever just went out and asked if they could delay their shit for an hour or whatever
2: well the <laughs> guy he, at first he was like you son and then he was
0: like yes sir when Max <laughs> he didn't him, say son. that like, come <laughs> on <laughs> Uh, So today on the show, guys, we have Mr. Jason Mraz. A little story about this interview that you're going to listen to. We shot this. This was going to be potentially one of the long-form sit-down interviews for the TV show. But what happened was We didn't want to double any And because mm. Shane As you guys all know I hope you've seen The eight episodes on Crave Of Mike in conversation with uh, Shane does a dessert uh, Digital dessert with Jason I believe in episode one No no it's in the Jared Kiso episode The Kiso episode Wow okay So in the Jared Kiso episode Which I think we can tease Might be going up For those of you in the states And the UK Who have been asking us To see the show We might be putting One episode up for free So you can get a taste of that And hopefully there's plans To get get those sh- episodes Out to you Or
2: guys. if you just want to see The Jason Marais Digital dessert. It is also online. It's up there right now on
0: YouTube, it. But the full episode, in its entirety, with Jerry Keese, we believe, is going to go up very shortly. Maybe by the time you even hear this. Uh, but uh, the same day that Shane did his digital dessert, in fact, right after uh, my sit down with Jason, were you there that day, Max? I was not. Um, no, you prepped uh, a lot of this, though. Yeah. We sat down, and um, yeah. So Jason obviously has had a, a pretty uh, storied and successful career. The man has won awards, and we got into all of that. His career, uh, relationships. Obviously, there'd been sort of. Um, controversy with uh, his sort of I don't know if it was a coming out but sort of explaining you know his. Sexuality. was it a
1: controversy or just a newsworthy story he well he misused a term oh too spirited yeah so that's
2: what he said yeah, yeah. and that's uh, yeah that's a tie into indigenous I knew there was something yeah
0: yeah. you guys want to get to Jason Mraz let's do it Yep, let's get to Jason Mraz
3: busy day for you Maybe. Depends on what it's compared to. Oh, how do you define busy, is what you're saying? Shucks. Depends on the task.
0: I guess so. Yeah. And how would you frame your day, then, in that context? Today's an easy day. That's good.
3: Yeah. Just chilling. (laughs)
0: I guess I'd start with since we're doing you know press, you're sort of on a bit of this this junket, yeah after all this time, do you still sort of enjoy doing that part of the the
3: gig? No, my least favorite part <laughs> is it really absolutely <laughs> as we're talking about music or sometimes 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 we're just talking about me yeah and that's uh, that's not what I signed up for right I signed up to play guitar and close my eyes and sing yeah um and i didn't know early on that this would be sort of a side effect of that but i've i feel like i've tried to make the best use of it and promote positive things. Yeah, well, yeah. that's
0: an interesting place to start contextually because I think a lot of people get into creative uh, sort of endeavors, whether it's music or acting or writing, mm-hmm. because one, it's a pretty fun uh, thing to do. Yeah, and two, you're sort of fulfilling like this thing that you need to do. Yeah. But then at some point, there's a shift where it sort of becomes a career or right. becomes a business. Yeah. Do you remember when you became sort of cognizant of that that dynamic?
3: Uh, yeah, it happened a few times. Um, and it would probably be early on, maybe in towards the end of my second album while touring. I just got exhausted mm. and thought, wait a minute, I'm just working, I'm not having fun, and I'm definitely not being spiritual or spirited about it. Yep. Um, so I took a lot of time off and, and thought about, you know, who I am and what I want to do, you know, and just mainly did my laundry and went grocery shopping instead of live on tour where everything is a phone call away, room service, or backstage writers. So I needed to get human again. Um, But every once in a while, it does feel like um, a business. But unfortunately, we are all born, at least in North America, into capitalism. Therefore, food is behind lock and key. So is a a home. So we're all basically forced to work... For essentials. For our essentials, for our basic human needs, right? Um, Which kind of sucks. So the fact that death and um, our basic human needs are sort of always looming over us, right? Um, It makes life hard. I know I've totally changed the subject on this answer now. I'm with you on Um, this this line of thinking, though. But... um, I've tried to make my work um, play, and I've tried to make it also uh, educational and or inspiring or healing uh, for those who listen or are following along with my musical
0: endeavors. Well, I guess going... like to jump right on that line of thought your music has been sort of traditionally, uh, you know, very positive mm-hmm. You know, you're spreading themes of gratitude and love. They feel very present. Sure I guess I'm curious like where does that disposition come from? Like is that inherent? What were your folks like?
3: um, I It's funny. I I feel like I only got to know my folks in my adult life, even though they've always been in my life Sure, um, but they divorced when I was very young. So I got to sort of hide in their blind spots So in my high school years, I could tell my dad I was going to my mom's and tell my mom I'm going to my dad's and disappear off with my friends Mm -hmm. And not let them know who I am But at the same time not really know who they were But in my adult life I've gotten to know that they're really lovely people and grateful people and kind people and inclusive people Um, So I it must be inherent that I'm attracted to these things Um, my Mom and my grandma and my babysitters always turned me on to positive entertainment or constructive entertain yourself, like pens and pencils and pianos. Yeah. Um, Or, like I say, positive entertainment like um, Mr. Rogers or the Muppets, um, things that I could learn and grow from. Um, Not just violence on TV or any old movie, you know, absolutely. They were very cautious of what they showed me. So I think that helped me as well. But the majority of my positivity came from wanting to do more with my music than just say, look at me, look how cool I am. And in my early career, that was definitely a one of the drives. Sure. Was I can sing, I can write, check me out. But that's not sustainable, and that's a really hard thing to do over and over again. Um, and it just felt awful when it didn't work. You're talking about the narcissistic element yes. in performing exactly. and the pursuit of music because
0: it's like, what am I getting from them? Yes. What are they saying to me about what I'm doing? Totally. And how do you shed that as you go forward
3: when it was a driving factor in the beginning? Exactly. Uh, but I think it's normal for a young person to want to declare that, well, to, to stand out and say, "Look at me," and you know, I, I. I did it to try to shine brighter than my bullies in high school and the girls that rejected me in high school. I wanted to shine and say, oh, you should have been my friend because look at me now. Yeah. So the narcissism was strong. But um, right around my, I guess, exhaustion after the second record, I felt like I, there was a greater purpose I needed to serve. And I discovered gratitude and I discovered transformative language and I discovered yoga and meditation and I thought, wow, life is, can be deep and we can transform and we can, um, through the power of positive thinking, transform our own life experience and maybe if that's possible, maybe we can help others transform theirs. Well, that's a fascinating thought to
0: me, especially to try and sort of um, maintain those values and outlook in the business that you're in Mm -hmm. because it's an extremely competitive business. And I think anyone that's been in the business, you know, you've been there for for a while. Mm -hmm. You know how the game is played. There must be an inherent competitiveness or have you truly sort of, Shed that in some way because I'm always like oh if you're there that long It's like I still care how the song or the record does or anything like that
3: How do you navigate that while mm. trying to
0: sort of maintain this sort of purity that you
3: speak? Yeah. of? Well, the first thing I did was move out to the country. So <laughs> I don't live in LA. I don't live in New York I don't even go to those towns unless I have to and and by doing that I feel I'm more connected to obviously nature and what I hope is you know, the real humanity, the real grace of humanity, um, and the real suffering of humanity. Because suffering in the entertainment industry is not real suffering. That's competition. Yeah. Um, and so then I create works that I feel are special and profound to me. Um, then the competitiveness shows up when I'm submitting songs to the record label. And they say, well, this one isn't great for radio. You know, or we need something a little more upbeat to cut through this and that. That So I do experience it every once in a while, but I don't feel it directly with like artist to artist. You know, I'm never chasing anyone down to slow them down. But you still have that sort of
0: nugget where you're like... No, I think the song is good enough to get regular. radio. Why are we navigating this conversation? I'm trying to just put out, you know, work that I think is pure and what I want to say at this moment. Exactly. But then you're dealing with this mechanism.
3: Yeah, exactly. But luckily, the, the mechanism that I work with at Atlantic Records and Warner Music uh, in general, they've, they've helped me make great choices. And I've turned in some things that I thought were profound. And they said, well, I think you can do better than that. And I leave feeling rejected like as if the world is competitive or the music industry competitive but I realized no it's only because they want me to be a better writer and be a mm, um, something I, I guess they want me to raise the bar and so that's actually helped me over the last 15 years is by having you know management and a um, a great label support um, people who are patient They're not forcing me to just put out anything. Um, They're allowing me to, to really unearth something unique. How much will you push back and say, actually, I think you're
0: wrong, or, you know, at this point, we disagree, and at the end of the day, I guess Jason Mraz, you know, you, you you get to decide. Yeah. Are you someone that will take that information and go, you know what, I am going to go back to the drawing board, I trust your guys' opinion, or are you someone that goes, no, 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 at this point, it's like, we're, we're moving forward.
3: Right. Uh, it's a little of both. I mean, most of the time, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, you know, with my tail between my legs, I go back to the studio and cry a little bit and write some sad songs, and then eventually... Legitimately cry? healing yeah, yeah, sometimes, Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just exhausting, you know. You put, you have to break your heart open to write an album, and to know what these songs are going to serve and what purpose they hold and what their messages are, and make sure the music is beautiful, and and when, and you put a lot of time and money into these efforts and these works, and to have them never be heard is really frustrating. And so, if I really believe in a song and no one's getting it yet. I just take it to the stage and I let the audience decide. And if an audience starts to laugh at the song and clap along or sing and request the song, then I actually have, um, I guess, scientific evidence. Sure, a truly democratic yes, song. Yes, exactly. That this needs to be on the album. Yeah. That is essentially the
0: story of I'm Yours, isn't it? Where basically the song was on an EP or a B side sure. for people that aren't familiar who are or maybe listening or watching. Right. Uh, and then you were playing it at shows and it became like literally just a fan favorite. Sure.
3: Yeah. So I had written it before my second album in 2004. Um And it didn't make it onto that record, but I knew there was something special about it. How come it didn't make the record then? You know, it just it wasn't fully realized and my band and I well first I was playing it mostly solo So once I got in the studio, I tried to put the band on it and we couldn't really Find its groove fast enough and so by the time the sessions were over It wasn't a great recording. Hmm. So I said I'm just gonna leave it as an acoustic song on something that um, used to exist, it was called MySpace, <laughs> and it was on my MySpace page, which was the first of its kind that I could control the music that was streamed. It was five songs that we could upload, and I felt I had tremendous freedom in that and power. So You could them?
0: also put the one you wanted
3: top, so it would top, play automatically, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I put I'm yours on my MySpace page, and... I didn't know this, but Hawaii started playing that on their radio. They picked it up. They picked it up. Off the MySpace. Off the MySpace, and someone in Sweden did the same. They picked it up, and they actually released it without us knowing. (laughs) Thank you, Sweden. Yeah, it was out for a long time before I ever ended up in Sweden. And I'd been playing the song for maybe two years at that point, and I'd never been to Sweden. So I said, all right, well, this will be one of those shows where I introduce myself and play some songs. And when I played I'm Yours, they sang it like it was the Swedish national anthem. (laughs) I said, what is going on here? Did you guys know about my MySpace page? And we found out that, no, this had been a pretty popular song that was shared by people. So it was that moment that we said, all right, next time we're in the studio, we're recording I'm Yours. And all we're going to do is put a drum loop on on the Myspace version, which is not what we did, but we, that was the goal to make it sound like that
0: you know it's interesting we were talking a, a bit ago about the sort of the business of music and you saying that when you started out you're like I do want to get on that stage and sort of you know we all look at so many great front men like whatever Mick Jagger or sure. Freddie Mercury and yeah. there's like a sort of like a, a a conscious choice to sort of look a certain way present a certain way and obviously like one of your looks is you wear a hat yeah. you wear a fedora wear a hat and I was thinking about this interview I, I watched with uh, James Bay because okay. he recently cut his hair okay, and he always wore the hat uh-huh. you're familiar with the yeah. look mm-hmm. uh, and the interviewer said there's this thing sort of in music which is like you can tell someone by their silhouette Mm. and James Bay had essentially given up his silhouette wow
3: do you feel like one
0: you have a silhouette if you're wearing that hat Mm. two was that a conscious choice
3: it was a conscious choice because um, grooming (laughs) is <laughs> not my favorite thing sure
0: so it's quicker to just throw a hat it's on.
3: quicker to throw a hat on but i mean my hat love goes all the way back to second grade i had a permission slip from my parents to let me wear a hat in the yearbook so i'm wearing a little f- greek fisherman's hat in my second grade photo that's great it went with my outfit <laughs> my stepfather was a hat man worked at a men's clothing store like very stylish so i just always liked that i thought it finished the outfit but as an adult, I was like, wow, this actually makes it easier to just throw a hat on. Um, so maybe I have a few silhouettes. I have the baseball hat silhouette and the fedora silhouette, I guess. Right. Um, I did try to shun the hat for a while. I grew my hair really long. Yep. Um... And my hats just didn't fit, because I, I didn't know, but my hair is really curly, and, and it got huge. Uh, so then I would have to groom, and it became... I was like, wow, this is the opposite effect I was looking for. And I started getting mistaken for Kenny G, <laughs> different places I was going. I was like, this is not what I thought. It didn't help that you were carrying around the sax, but... and you know, I, Yeah, you know. exactly. I had a soprano sax in my hand. Um, so I ended up cutting my hair, and all my hats fit again, so I just carried on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating, because like, I think... Having successful career in music Is so unconventional
3: And rare It's rare you know? I was told when I started By my manager He said Good luck <laughs> He said Most artists are lucky If they get 10 years And I held on to that I said alright You know That means Do good work You know Show up Make sure you show up At every gig Stay present Stay healthy Keep learning Keep writing Keep reading things How can I continue To feed myself Good nutritious information and food so that I can make it to 10 years and what is that going to look like and what am I going to do after so here I am at 15 plus years to me it feels like 20 because I quit my last job in November of 1998. To pursue music and I've been living on music since then so I feel very very blessed
0: well you know when you talk about those early days of living on music and how do you define success is it selling you know 30 CDs at a coffee shop is it a record deal is mm-hmm. it so-and-so something like Grammy nominations which mm-hmm. I think the first two came in 2009 yeah. and then the wins the following year yeah is that something I've asked a lot of artists that even though people are like, oh, awards or whatever, it's a weird, you know, you're not supposed to judge. Creative, uh, is it a legitimizing thing to fr- family friends?
3: Yeah, it is. When people come over, they want to see the Grammys. <laughs> they're like, they're like, I have kids or something. They're like, okay, where are they? Yeah, where are those little Grammys? <laughs> it's cute. Um, yeah. I even saw a picture of my accountant who was visiting my house while I wasn't there, and she's holding my Grammy. I
0: <laughs> just went to find yeah, them she and found them. took some photos. I thought it
3: was really cute. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, it doesn't; those they don't matter. I've already had success because to me, success was not having to have a day job. Sure. And, but I'll tell you, right after I won them, I was in the studio with Willie Nelson. Yeah. And, the uh, the air in Willie's studio it was very pungent, very potent if you know I what getting at. Yeah, yeah. and we were all under the influence of Willie Nelson <laughs> and our producer, I mean everyone that came with our team to help record this duet I did with him uh, was completely couch locked. No one could do anything. So this is a true story. In my brain, I said to myself, I had just won the Grammys, I was like, dude you can do this. You just won Grammys. You have the power. You're not a pretender. You're not a pretender. Exactly. You have the skills. So I went up to the, con- the, the, the console, and I talk, hit the talk back, and I said, Willie, I need you to do it again, and can you try it an octave higher? You know." And it was so awesome to be in that director's seat for a moment with a legend, someone that I've admired my whole life, and he gave us 17 takes that day, uh, but it was a confidence that the Recording Academy had given me because I might have been a little paranoid and not said anything had I maybe not had that recent victory. That's fascinating. Yeah, how it reframes things even to yourself. It did, even yeah. though you hadn't changed. Right, but tangibly. I felt encouraged. Sure. I felt
0: encouraged. And confidence is no small thing, or right, all of those things. How it can validate certain right. things. Yeah, um, I want to talk about a bit about songcraft, uh, And I guess this kind of gets to, to the label thing or you know With a lot of artists that have a song as big as I'm yours, mm-hmm. you know, and we see this all the time Like right now, uh, you know your song um, have it all mm-hmm. it has a lot of the same sort of like uh, the, the Musical vibe and components of a song like sure. I'm yours. So I'm always fascinated with artists How cognizant are you of like oh? I want to sort of like Create something and give my listeners something that maybe is in the realm of what everybody is comfortable with And how much do you try to fight that and go? I kind of want to go in a different direction. Yeah Like how aware are you when you're creating a song of that?
3: Well, I write lots of songs of course So and honestly, I missed have it all twice. I wrote have it all the first time in 2013 pardon me and it got not, not necessarily rejected, but it didn't fit the vibe of the Yes album that I made in 2014. So I turned the page and I forgot about it with 70 other songs that I wrote before that record. Um, working on this record, I was already up to 100 songs and still not knowing where we were going. Yeah. And uh, I went through three different A&R reps during this process, this last four years. Uh, mainly just because company people move around in the company. Yeah, know? it's a business. It is so. Um, my my most recent AR rep, uh, David Silberstein, he was going through the music and he said, "What's this little Have It All song?" And I honestly had completely forgotten about it because it was from 2013, pile of rejects. And he said, "No, there's th- there are some lyrics in here that are awesome that I think you should totally bring this back." So I brought it to my band, Raining Jane. We updated it with sort of a new. Swing and uh, a brand new bridge and decided to outsource it to a couple of different producers just to see what would happen. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, because I was actually on my way in to do a Broadway run and I didn't have any more studio time. So Andrew Wells was one of those producers we sent it to who took... David Hodge's work from 2013 and just built on top of it. So it was a long journey for this song in its origin in 2012 to the different studios and the different rewrites. um, And luckily, A&R sifting through a huge catalog of work. And I mention them because in your asking about songs to fulfill a sound or my, my former sounds. Um, I got to give them credit because I was headed in a different direction on this record. I mean, I had synths on everything. Interesting. And even my ballads had synths because I just bought a synth and I'm in love with it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's the explanation. That is. I'm like, Oh, I love this. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And, uh, And so I started sending Andrew more of my demos, and as he was producing them while I was in the Broadway show, he was muting my synths and just bringing out their acoustic core, right? And I honestly didn't think the label or the world wanted that anymore. I thought we had moved on and we were forever EDM. Um, But it was really refreshing to know that A&R wanted to keep me in primary colors and in that acoustic sound, because honestly, that's, that's really where... My comfort zone is And I think it's where I have strength in Um, So I gotta really give them credit For helping me Curate the collection of songs that's on this new record And focus and narrow it down to that sound. Exactly And this new record's really a collection of love letters Either written to my wife or to myself to to feel good about life.
0: Well, I wanted to talk uh, speaking of love letters or, or or poems as it were You wrote a, a wonderful poem to the LGBTQ community sure and that was perceived as a coming out of yeah. sorts. and and you gave a really fascinating interview with billboard um, mm-hmm. that I read. I Guess my question would be how has your perception of sexuality changed over the years your your, your personal sort of, of Perception of, of how it's
3: viewed maybe externally and how you view it internally. Mm. well I guess it's it's a it's a person by person expression, you know how you want to share your very intimate details with the world, with your family. But I know also that if it's a secret, that can become a dark shadow that follows you around. That you can't be fully expressed if you don't tell your parents and you don't tell your friends. So um, every person has the right to share or not share. Um, It took me forty years to. To share because I honestly didn't know but when I was writing um, this letter at the request of Billboard magazine I realized I'm not writing to a group of people who stand over there this isn't some other that exists, I'm writing in this community because I've been um, I've I feel like I've been almost every one of those letters, um, and I've, but I've never been a fan of labels and never wanted to other someone because of a label, um, but I just felt in that letter writing that I couldn't sign it as if I'm talking to a group of people that weren't me, you know what I mean? Like, like, like an ally or, or an other, like, like outside of that community. Yeah. So I signed it. I am by your side. Yeah. Um, Play on words. Bi by your side, and and it felt great. And um, my my core community and friends, they know that. But it's not something I've ever gone public with because it just felt like it was never it was never asked, or or um, I didn't ever think it was important because I don't feel like I'm the sexy artist. You know, it's not really important what my personal life looks like behind the closed doors. You know, but um, but I'm glad it happened. You know, I'm glad. Billboard gave me that invitation and I could do that
0: were you surprised by How voluminous the reaction was and, and how people
3: did latch on to that. Oh, you know Oh, I didn't really notice side. the volume sure. Yeah um, But if it uh, has it been voluminous, <laughs> I
0: think so I think if you you know You you do uh, like you look at Google. It's like this has now become oh, part of your bio. That's true. what I mean True you know? true true.
3: Yeah, uh, it, it did it make news. one. Yes. Yeah. exactly. It did Um You know, I'd also like to actually add that um, I misused the term two-spirit. It's something that my wife described to me. Um, My wife's great-great-grandmother was Cherokee, and so we glean knowledge from Native American culture. Uh, But I did misuse the term two-spirit, which I was misled to believe it was anyone that could love a man or a woman but in fact it's a sacred term for native peoples that describes more of a third gender so um, anyone who's listening I do apologize for that misuse I guess another question I would have is
0: like, you know, when, when you mention and so people are going to have sort of like their own constructs of how People maybe should uh, live or grow about their business and like you said everything is a personal choice But for some people there might be a confusion in like oh, he has a wife and then he's also They've navigated this mm. do you think that those preconceived sort of constructs can be changed and people
3: people become okay with wh- However, people choose to live through conversation and oh, example definitely definitely I mean my wife is one of my greatest teachers and right. she's probably, um, you know, she's told me that, um, well, she's she showed by example that to really love someone is to give them the the absolute freedom um, to be themselves, to be their fully expressed self. Otherwise, you're limiting someone's life experience. I mean, we're only here for a short time. And like I said earlier, death is always hanging over our head. Certainly. We don't know when the end is, but there's no reason to... Hide or hold back um, our love for anything. Um, conversation definitely helps. You know, when you share uh, your suffering or share your secret, it's no longer suffering, and it can be celebrated. And um, um gosh, what was your original question there?
0: <laughs> Basically, if you can start to change the way people think. Um By speaking about it. Yeah, definitely. It becomes less taboo. Right. Yeah. And unconventional because then you go, oh... That's yeah. their situation and yeah. they seem very happy.
3: Yeah, I mean my wife and I we adore each other and we're in a partnership because we have a we have a lot of things we share in common and a long game that we're both playing together. You know, we know the context of our of our marriage. We plant trees together because we know we want to watch these trees grow into these old magnificent trees. So we have a long game and you know, the adventures that I've had on the side with men while I was dating my wife um, were were a little bit of like um, uh, I need to know about myself before I marry someone. I need to know fully what I'm, how I'm going to feel in these situations. So um, I would come home and tell my wife about him, you know, and she would be there to. Um, Just listen
0: are those difficult conversations or is that the nature of your relationship
3: Uh, difficult conversations at first? But the more you practice them the the easier they become and the first thing I told her was that You know while I had this experience with a man. It could have also been with a woman. So I wanted to make that clear that that my Seeing someone else during our courtship uh, Wasn't gender specific it was that my heart is still open to love another being but that doesn't mean my glass is any less full of love for you so it was the beginning of a conversation about um trust more than anything
0: well thank you so much for your time today yeah much no worries
3: no worries thanks cheers Welcome
0: to The Dessert, everybody's favorite part, where our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham, comes on. Max, and I don't know what he's going to talk about, uh, and he just lays it on us. So, Shaney, what do you got for us? Okay, I won't lie to you guys. This story has lost a lot of steam, like a ton.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Normally, it's like I got a magician in here, or we're playing some game show, or I'm seeing how bald I am with an expert, but (laughs) this is actually, it was a story that kind of happened. I was like, ah, this could be good for a little story time section. Mm -hmm. But I honestly, I don't have it all laid out perfectly in my mind because this is from a month ago uh, when Mm -hmm. I was on vacation. Oh, right. You went away down to Florida. Yeah, and I just thought we were going to record sooner, but I digress.
1: I've been wondering about this.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to show you. There is... Four pictures. So just scroll four and then you'll get a picture of noodles, and that'll be the. Can we turn the lighting up a bit? Or, or do you guys like the lighting of this? I like it. Like I, I like it, yeah. Okay, never mind, never mind.
0: Okay, so we're going four. So right now we're looking at photos. Should I describe them to the listener, Shane? Yeah. Sure. This is Alex leaning forward, your wife. She's got her hand uh, on her chin.
1: It looks like slight dis- dis- Oh, color, shit. Right? Okay. Oh, you her, know, I right, didn't even right, notice right, the right. eye. I thought yeah. that was
0: like some smoky eyeshadow. Okay, wow. That is a very, very black eye she has.
1: Wow. Uh, so basically four pictures of Alex with a uh, black eye.
0: Yes. So
2: my wife's been meaning, because my wife has the, the blog, This Family Tree, she's been meaning to do a post about this, mm-hmm. but I'm like, no, I have to tell this on the pod. <laughs> Holding her back. So for every day for a month, because she's written this post that she likes, and she's like, can I post it? Can I, and no, no, no. So here I am telling the story <laughs> of what happened. And here's why I have to tell this. Uh, while I was on vacation a month ago, the Crave TV show was released. So I was like, oh, gee, I wonder when I get back to Canada, am I going to be a celebrity? <laughs> am I not? What's it going to be like? So everything went. You're going to have to dump <laughs> Alex. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then everything went really well on the vacation. It was a, a great relaxing time. I went with my wife's family and my in-laws and brother-in-law. Good looking guy. Get back from the trip and my wife has a uh, gets this black eye. <laughs>
0: So she was with you on the trip. <laughs> she just magically got it.
2: No, on, on the this happened actually on the way back from the trip and in the airport. Oh, I, okay. I get to my house. My wife has this big black eye, and as I'm, <laughs> it's as, a weird word is okay. Carry on. <laughs> what? It sounds like black
1: guy. No, but are you going to tell us how she got the black eye? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay, come on. on.
2: I'm going to tell you just the story here. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) It's ordered like a Tarantino film.
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're jumping all over the place.
2: It's like Uh, so. I I get to my house. I'm unloading the luggage, and a guy pulls up. Go, Shane. I'm like, hey, and he's like, saw the Crave show, love it, man. I'm like, holy shit! Like, it works. It (laughs) works. And then I'm like, oh, and Alex is there, and she has this big Shiner, and it's like the classic Shiner. If someone was to like be abusing their wife in a film, sure. it's the type. That's of, how they do the makeup. Yeah, because then he kind of like looks at Alex. <laughs> so I introduce. I go, oh, the, hey, this Alex is like, yeah, I know, and I'm like, oh, uh, she ran into a pole, <laughs> so her eye. And he's like, she yeah. fell down the stairs. Yeah, and so he's like, oh, okay. You just just blurted out. She ran into a pole. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, okay," and it just kind of looked like I was lying, right? And then he drives (laughs) away, and I'm like, "Oh, fuck!" That sounds so made up, so made up. And I'm like, "Oh no," he's gonna start telling people. And and a month ago, when I thought I was gonna blow up, this this story made a lot more sense because I was like, "I gotta get on the pod and tell people." I can set the
0: record straight now. What actually happened?
2: And then I, I began to realize maybe the show is not as popular as I thought because I, I gained like four Instagram followers, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I lost like eight Instagram
2: <laughs> followers. Too. So I'm literally less popular than I was before. So I'm not sure if I even need to justify why my wife has a black eye.
0: But well, I, now we need to know.
2: Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what happened was we got we got to the airport.
0: And there was... uh... Drugs in her ass? Yes.
2: (laughs) 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 Gotta punch him out
0: of her. (laughs) Classic story of a family trip. Anyway, go on. So uh,
2: we get to the airport and uh, we're, we're running a little behind. We have our baby Lucy on this trip also. So Alex is like, oh, I have to change... Uh, Lucy's diaper. Could you run and get us coffees? So I go to a Starbucks. The lineup is huge, though. And I kind of know I'm not going to be able to get the coffee. Alex is taking a very long time with Lucy. So I'm like, what is going on? Like this is taking an inordinate amount of time. The lineup's not even moving anyways at the Starbucks. So I abandon the line to go look for my wife and daughter because we're going to miss our flight because it's literally they're calling us to go to the flight. And Alex comes out furious with the baby. She goes, I'm going to kill this woman. I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened? She's like, this woman is changing the baby's diaper, but she's changing the diaper like she's at home. She's like, oh, coochie-coo, and all that. And she's taking forever and like powdering uh, the baby's butt. And Alex is like trying to say, like, can you hurry up? Move the along, like, yeah. And the woman just doesn't. So Alex has to go outside and change Lucy's diaper in public. Lucy took a huge shit in her diaper. And it was this, you know, it a disgusting scene that Alex had to do. In like right, right
0: in the airport, right on the floor there. Yeah. So we yep. hate this
2: woman and Alex is so <laughs> upset. I go to just get like a, a shitty side coffee, like from this little like kiosk, but then the cash register's not working. Oh I can't even buy the coffee. So we just go, we sit in the airplane, and the woman is sitting with Alex's parents. Oh. And Alex is like that's the woman that's the fucking woman and the, the woman has her baby and the baby is crying mm. The entire time is mm. Lucy crying or she no? Lucy's like uh, a perfect baby <laughs> when it comes to not crying in, in situations Where you don't want to cry yep. she will never ever cry so at the end of the flight, everyone's coming up to Lucy in front of this woman who had the nightmare kid, and saying, "You have the best daughter I've ever seen on a flight. Like, oh my goodness, she's so good. This is the best baby." And everyone's making a scene, <laughs> taking photos with her. everybody's <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, can I have your photo? Yeah, Let's bring it in. Do you mind taking? It? <laughs>
2: and, and this woman is psychotic. I begin to realize, like, she's really getting jealous of ah. the adulation my daughter's getting. <laughs> So we go to leave. I assume I'm never going to see this woman again. So we we have our declaration forms. We're going through customs. And I kind of butt in front of the woman. <laughs> and the woman's mom goes, oh, my God, we're all going to get there at the same time. People are butting in front of you, talking loud so I can hear. <laughs> and she goes, run them over. I'm like, run them over. She has the... Uh, Oh, the push carts, yeah, the baby cart no oh, like a stroller? stroller she has a stroller, and th- this woman's mom. Said, whispered in her ear. She puts the hit out on you. Yeah, to say, run him over. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, let's see what happens here. Sure enough, she runs over my ankle. Oh,
0: if you get hit in the Achilles too, man, that's like, that's no joke. So
2: I heard it. So I just pretend like I don't notice. I just keep going. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not even going to give her any acknowledgement.
1: (laughs) She does it again.
2: She (laughs) does (laughs) it again. What? But I'm like, Eh, fuck it, whatever, just not say anything, never see him again
0: Like you don't want to give them the satisfaction that she's hurting you No You're not not even going to say, oh, excuse me, ma'am Like you're not acknowledging it you're right. just letting no. her hit you. Exactly. So we get questioned or whatever why we why we sure. Landed. Did you buy anything over this amount? Yeah.
2: And then we get our luggage. And uh, you're supposed to keep your declaration form. Yeah, you're supposed they- to still hold it. Some people who don't travel a lot will sometimes discard those declaration forms after they get through the questioning period. Totally. It
0: happens. Yeah. But you need that to get out of that luggage area. Right. That's your last exit with a little signature.
2: Yeah. So we have a shit ton of luggage. We have a baby. I'm, I'm with Alex's entire family. And her brother threw out the declaration form. But he's a world traveler. Like, he's been everywhere. He travels, like, all summer long. He goes, oh, no, I threw out my form. I'm like, yeah, I saw you shred it. Like, as a joke, like, obviously, you're fucking with me. And he has a very dry sense of humor. I can't tell he's kidding. Anyway, turns out he's serious. So... As we're leaving with all the luggage, he says, oh, I don't have my declaration form. And he gets stopped and he gets detained Mm. and he has to go back in the room. So I go, oh, no, that's my brother-in-law. I have to go back and get the luggage. They go, no, sir, keep going. You can't go back. You can't go back. I go, just let me grab the luggage so I can at least pack up the van while he's getting questioned. They go, no, I can't do anything. And Alex has the baby. So she goes, oh, I got to change the diaper and then I'm going to put the baby in the minivan because my father-in-law is waiting to go. And he has no idea what's... taking so long Uh. so i'm like i know this is gonna take a while and i'm like oh there's a starbucks there i'm gonna get alex her coffee so she'll she'll be happy so i I buy two extra large coffees and i'm just waiting there for like half an hour my brother-in-law comes out and he's like oh that that was annoying but yeah it's fine we didn't have to pay any penalty or anything they're like where where's alex i'm like i don't know so i put down the coffees because fuck the coffees at this point i put them down (laughs) go walking then alex comes running (gasps) oh Okay, yeah, I know where John is. I know where John is. I'm Did like, okay, have, good. She is Lucy at this point. She had already dropped off the baby with John, my yeah. father-in-law. So, she so when she came back, it was to get me. Yep. I'm like, oh, I, I got you two coffees. They're way back there. She goes, thank you. So she's running back to go get the coffees. And we're all going to John, and we're quite a bit ahead. And then we get to the van. We pack it up. It's like, where's Alex? I'm like, something's wrong. For sure. I know something's wrong because it's taken her way too long, and we didn't walk that far away. And she knows where John is, so I go back to the airport, and Alex is on the ground, passed out with everyone around her and covered in hot coffee. <gasps> like, luckily, it's not scalding, but she has coffee all around her, and it is a scene. <sighs> and I'm like, "What happened? What happened?" Like, and she's clearly super hurt. And they're like, "She ran into a pole, full steam." With the two coffees, because oh. she's running trying to catch up, and then the woman from the plane walked by, and they're like, like, oh, like, like kind of like a karma—like you got to be a nice person, or else this shit happens to you. That is the worst. Did you see the woman? Yeah, at that point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she was she's... like giving I me mean, like the karma's a bitch type thing. Oh. But yeah, my wife did run into a poll for my four fans that I've uh, gained since the <laughs> crazy show. <laughs> But, but now it's all healed up. So I don't even, really, I didn't need to
0: tell the story. Because so she did run into a pork. Bo- Luckily, the coffee had been sitting there for half an hour and probably cooled down. Yeah. yeah
2: it was still hot, though. And she did have like burns all over uh, her, her chest.
0: Well, we should, I mean, you're not exaggerating about the way her eye looked. We'll post it maybe on Instagram when we put this episode up so people can see. Yeah. It was quite the scene. Man.
2: And if you could, I don't know, maybe mention something about Starbucks and. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's it that's all that's our episode thank you so much for listening the Mike on Much podcast can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, leave a comment and, and uh, give us a rating on iTunes because that helps the show grow. A huge thanks to everybody who makes this happen. Uh, who do we got? Justin Stockman, Webby D. Whole crew. Greg Stewart. Books the guests.
0: Uh, thank you so much. The Mike on Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Beerman. Please check out our show on Crave. Eight episodes now. Mike on Much in conversation with. See you next week. If we don't die on the weekend.